I'm the Jacqueline Knox, Jr. This show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Find out more at SamaritanMinistries.org forward slash CrossPolitik. Hey, y'all. Welcome to CrossPolitik live here at G3. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. It's good to be with you guys. We got Chalk Knox here on my left. I'm the water boy. This is Pastor Toby. Hey. And this is Rachel Jankovic from Moscow, Idaho. Thank you. Uh, just a couple house cleaning items before we kind of get into the show and the topic and do 20 questions with Rachel. Uh, we One of the things that we want to do as a show is we want to kind of bring together uh, other Christian organizations that we really think are strategic and kind of disrupting. Uh, culture. And so a couple of our sponsors, one is Classical Conversations. We recommend you guys checking them out at the booth. Uh, secondly is uh, Samaritan Ministries. I mean, that's disruptive health care, health share. Um, and Christians caring for brothers and sisters and, and getting out of the government And helping programs. paying medical bills. Stop by their booth. Even if you already have insurance, stop by their booth. They're fantastic. Get a quote. Really love. I mean, yeah, it's disruptive what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and then lastly, our booth is uh, 114, and we'll be doing a show with Pastor Doug Wilson after uh, here, probably about 4, 415, uh, maybe 430. G3 time. G3 time. Yeah, yeah, yeah G3 time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. And then Rachel Jankovic has a, a booth here. Um, uh, we've been, she's been doing a, leading a kind of a Bible reading challenge. You want to just say a couple things about that real quick? We're going to talk about that. Are, are, are we? Okay. What are you doing? You, get, did, you didn't tell me. Pay attention to the notes. So her booth is next to us, and you can sign up for that, and we'll get more into that apparently later on in the show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Toby. This is how we do all of our shows, actually. Just so you know, like this is totally authentic. We do it like this. We do it live. We do it live. Yeah. There we go. Like hey, Bill O'Reilly. We're really grateful to have Rachel on. She is a wife to Luke. Luke yeah. is an, another. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Luke is one of an elders in our church. Um, he, he is six six. Um, you don't want to meet him in dark alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a dude. You're also the mother of seven children. I am. Glory. Oh, did he baptize? Yes, I, I, am the, I am the mother of seven baptized children, and I'm still at a Baptist convention. <laughs> she is the Thank author. You, G3. She is the author of the book "You Who," hey. why you matter, and how to deal with it. Mm. Also, the book "Loving the Little Years." Oh yeah, that was good. That was yes. good. love that book. That, that was a good and, book. And fit to burst. Right? Yes, that's it. Okay. Well, it wasn't as good as the first one. I'm just <laughs> See what I mean by contentious? Yeah, it's difficult in here. It's difficult. Um, you, all those books are published by Canon Press. Yep. You can find them at canonpress.com. Is that right? Um, Google she, Canon Press. So. You, you know, uh, or on Amazon. Rachel is heavily involved with the Christ Church Ladies Bible Reading Challenge. How many, how many women are involved in the Bible Reading Challenge here? Yay, yay. Love that. How many men? All right. Oh. All right. <laughs> We need to work on that. Okay, minute. we'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> and you're uh, invited to join in on that. Uh, the, the Bible reading plan that they're doing reaches through the entire Bible in about nine months. Is that right? From, and it, goes, yes. it follows kind of the school year, like yep. September to May. Yep, we do the academic year. We read the whole Bible together. It's about six chapters a day. It's a pretty aggressive uh, approach, but we emphasize just reading the word, being under the word, not coming to it like you have to bring all your commentaries and your real study time, but reading it like you read anything on, you just, you expect you will be back soon. So if you're not understanding at all, you're like, well, this is not the last time I'm going to read this. Yeah. I'm going to be back again. So, yeah. and then in the summer we do, um, we just do the New Testament again. So if you do it with us for a year, you read the Old Testament once, New Testament twice, a bunch of epistles, maybe five times. Um, and the whole goal, I've been saying this a lot, if you came by the Bible Reading Challenge table, uh, is essentially twofold. One is to help uh, people who have no Bible reading habits develop Bible reading habits. There is a great many amount of Christians who live under guilt for not reading the Bible mm -hmm. uh, without ever having a practical plan for how they're going to go about becoming Christians who read the Word all the time. And so we work uh, on that, that very practical level of this is, this is what you do. One of those things is we say we treat it like it's a table full of food. 
Uh, if you get behind, you eat with us today. Share table fellowship over God's provision in his word today. It's not about you're doing everything in the right order. No. Um, it's like, just join us. You don't go to a dinner and say, I skipped breakfast, though. So I have to make eggs for myself right now. And then I'm going to, you just jump in. You just join us. Right. So, and then I have to say, sorry, I get wordy about the Bible reading challenge. Oh Do it. Goodness. It's my big chance. Um, Preach it. On, on the, <laughs> shut up, Gabe. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tell him to go home. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I ran into MacArthur in the speaker lounge and I had a moment of, of being like, no, I don't want to talk to you about that. I'm just, <laughs> just, you just have a good time. <laughs> um, he, didn't, he didn't need to talk to me about that. Okay, so the other facet of the Bible reading challenge is that there are a lot of believers, and I think that this conference would be an example of that kind of believer, who have established Bible reading um, habits, who admire their own time in the Word and their time studying God's Word, and have not considered reaching out in hospitality to those around them about it. They have not even thought of it. They think their own thoughts are a good thing to offer to others, right? Mm. They think, I read this, and it would be neat of me to pass on to them what a neat thought I had about the Bible, (laughs) but they don't think of sharing the actual food on the table. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But but the reality Ooh. the reality is that, and this is more of a women's thing, but that that Instagram photo of your quiet time, where you have your pretty. Oh. Do you guys do that? You have a you have no. a pretty succulent. No. You I'm gonna your, need a battery for this tablet because she's preaching right now. You have you have coffee and you have a succulent and you have. A, a good a good amount of natural light. It's a beautiful moment, uh, and then you take a picture of it. And and what is that? Hashtag it's, Bible reading or hashtag yeah. blessed. Hashtag oh, yeah, 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 yeah. hashtag godlier than you. Oh. And uh, the one we love is brag or boast or who broke the toaster. That's the that's what my kids say. But anyways, uh, the point in that is that that very same picture, that very same moment, that very same emotion. If she was to, instead of saying, look at what I'm having, if she was saying, hey, you, join me in this. Join me in God's word. Here's the plan. Jump in. I want to share this with you. And the reality is that's not just hospitable. That's radically hospitable because you're saying whoever you are, whatever your problems, whatever your issues, I want to share this table with you. And that's a profoundly Christian uh, thing to do, and there's no other motivation for it. So it reveals the love of God. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to shut me up with the organ. No, no, no. no, no the organ is trying to just encourage you. <laughs> Trust us. Okay, okay. No, that's encouragement. That's yeah. awesome. You know, us white people have a little hard time with that organ, but we're, we're <laughs> not, learning. Not these few over we're here. No, I, know no. Few of, I know a few of my charismatic brothers in here right now. <laughs> they ain't got no problem with this organ. <laughs> hey. Toby. I really love the, I, I love the emphasis, though, on, on feasting and eating. And you, you yeah. think, I mean, I think you really can overthink it. And you, we don't overthink eating. I mean, mo- most of us don't. You, you, just, you just eat because it's, it's time to eat. You're hungry. And, um, and God's word is food. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just eat um, and don't overthink it. I mean, you don't, you don't you know, what did you, you have for breakfast three days ago? You probably don't remember. Did it feed you? Yep. Yeah. Did it strengthen you? Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how God's word works. Okay. That's good. Man, you just want to be done now? All right. I, I, I was about to, that's why I was hitting the organ. I was yeah, wrapping it up. About to put it off in time. It was, All right. No, we, got, we, got, we got some questions for Rachel. Um, I want to start off with just some, some straight, straight questions, discussion with you, and then, and then we, did, uh, we did prepare a little something special. Um, with, some, with, with some help from the audience. Yeah, they actually even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So uh, Bruce Jenner received Glamour's Women of the Year. <laughs> yeah. uh, Women of the Year in 2015. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Dolezal, who mm-hmm. hails from Spokane, Washington, yeah. just 90 miles away from us. My buddy went to college with her. Oh. Yeah. Check uh, your friends, Gabe. At Bellhaven. She, she, she calls herself a transracial woman. No, she's not. <laughs> but, just saying. But she, that don't exist. But just she saying. does. Um, and then I found this, this uh, real doozy. Uh, convicted sex offender who says he identifies as an eight-year-old girl will spend at least a decade in prison for dozens of images of child pornography found on his home computer. Joseph Gobrick, 45, claims the images were computer animated and protected under the First Amendment. 
I've always been an eight-year-old girl, Gobrick said at his sentencing, and even my drawings and fantasies, I am always an eight-year-old girl. Thankfully, the court didn't buy Mr. Gobrick's argument for some reason. Hmm. Uh, but, Rachel, how do we get to the point where that defense might even be considered reasonable by some? I think it was sin. I think that's how we got there. Um, yeah, but, but this is a, a special flavor, of yeah. like a yeah. rotten... It's clear that you can get more traction in our society now with deeply troubled ideas about identity than you could have at other times. Yeah. We've wondered, but I, you know, I always want it to be really, what we are talking about to be really practical to us. And the reality is that the world is, yeah, doing huge flaming out identity things like that. You know, um, but in the church and in individual people's lives, how many how many identity lies do we tell ourselves? Like, well, I'm actually I actually really intended, uh, you know, I'm actually a really kind person. It's like, yeah, but you're actually a real slanderer and a gossip. You know, like like yeah. you're right. you're re relabeling yourself like as though you can create who you are through this sort of like, oh, let me just kind of you know assemble an identity that's actually not tethered to God's word and the truth. And it's not, it's, yeah. it's, we're doing that kind of thing all the time. And I think specifically this kind of thing is, is stemming out of uh, bad philosophies that have been taken root in our culture for a long time. And we've all been fed these things by do you Disney. See any, do you see any kind of progression? I mean, if you look back a little bit, just maybe the last hundred years, take a, like a snapshot of that is, has there been a, um, a parallel, track sort of in the church and in um, among christians so on the, the world side you know it's it's getting darker more and more rotten more and more yes. skanky whatever is there a parallel track in the church and what does that look like um you, you know you point out several obvious lies that we're telling ourselves but it seems even there we're passing on lies and the lies are getting right. bigger so you mean like just like how did we how do we get in this philosophical yes. groove yes if we did it by letting the world lead us we did it by by just following along with what was trendy in the world then and then christians hear it and they absorb it and they don't hold it up to the truth of scripture and you know it kind of just dribbles along but i will say when i because i wrote you who which is about identity and because i was doing department of hell no posts uh those <gasps> those were making people oh, what were you saying <laughs> Can you say that here, well, we'll have to explain that in a minute what, what did you say okay so i started doing hashtag department of hell no <gasps> posts oh you gasped that's what it was. <laughs> I thought you were saying something. Uh, I didn't catch that. That was just a sound effect. Um, what, That's over here. I do all those. So, so what the point of that was was to say it was not a flippant use. In case you're concerned about my language, that was not a flippant use of the word hell. I literally was talking about this is this is the theology of hell that tells you you are perfect. You are you know like all all of the things you can find on signs at your gym. Or in any inspirational books for women, like uh, "Go Wash Your Face," "Girl Wash Your Face," that kind of thing. It's all a bunch of lies. It's and so the the concept of Department of Hell No was to walk through. Do you see the assumptions here and how this is not biblical? So I meant hell literally. This is the theology of hell um, there. But the thing that I noticed when I started doing that, it made a lot of people mad at me about. Well, it made a lot of people mad. But I noticed this that there is no there was nothing that they could call me and i thought that that was really interesting because you could feel people casting about for the insult that they were supposed to use that would dismiss the issue you know like you're a racist or you're a you know so they could be like ha and done refuted and it and what that drew my attention to is that while our culture has been drifting this way there has been christian resistance in a lot of places mm. but there has not been christian resistance in identity there has not been because mm. we have no mean nicknames the people don't call you an identity denier you know, they, they, uh, but that's what they wanted to be able to do. They yes. wanted to be able to be like, you're, and they couldn't do it. And so the thing that shocked me was that apparently there has not been a loud Christian voice against this particular worldly teaching such that we don't have a shorthand nickname. Uh, so, so why are women particularly drawn to the kind of um, believing little lies like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Instagram posts with the graphic, you're, you know, your hair looks good today. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Kind of, you know, little little lies, you know. That would be an interesting one. That, uh, <laughs> I was trying, uh, I was trying to think of an innocent I one. That one. I was trying but, to think of an innocent one, you know. Um, but we all know it. <laughs> I, I actually think. I mean, I don't know how you could untangle 
I was just talking with Sarah about another issue like this. I was like, some things, you know, it's like there was a whole bunch of threads there. There was a bunch of different wool threads. But now it's all felted together in one big mat. Like, I don't think you could untangle that. I don't think you could say, why did it get this way? Because I think it was a combination of pastors not being willing to speak hard truth to women, women not being willing to receive hard truth, other women turning into the protectors of women who might get hurt if they hear a hard truth. And <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, Shots fired. And then, and then you have an entire world of women who don't know what it is to be to be taught, to be shepherded, to be. They're just, and they are unhappy in the same way that little kids are unhappy when they are when they don't know that there are boundaries. Like, uh-huh. and I think every human is this way. I think that that, yeah. that is true yeah. of men yeah. too. It's oh, just yeah. that the women are miserable. And causing a lot of problems in our culture well, right now. The, but the men are committing. <laughs> yeah. That's our feminist out of DC. Uh, uh, oh, the, okay. yeah. But the but the men um, are committing suicide at record numbers. Uh, the you know opioid crisis and all this stuff. I mean, so I'm, I think depression, drugs. I, I think mm-hmm. I think men ex- like express it like, yes, statistically yes. differently. But yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think they're miserable. Yes, and, it's not fun. And, and in their misery. It's it's drugs and it's it's suicide. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and women turn into weirdly sentimental. Uh, well, it's actually half sentimental, half horribly harsh. You yeah. know, like it's never soft. All I want to go through. back to the the hell thing for a second. Yeah. I would, um, all right. And, and I want to. I just. I guess I want to connect the dots a little bit, even more in more detail. Which is um, what I I know you. Uh, I think you mean by this, but the. The coddling of little lies, right. um, the coddling of sin, is is what's happening in the lies of, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're great. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't take any criticism. Um, you know, sort of this, um, you're you're strong, girl, um, kind of motif. And again, there's there's um, masculine versions of all the same stuff that are, you know show up in the right. local gym. Right, right, right. Um, and um, but. The coddling of those little lies is the coddling of poison. It's right. the coddling of a little bit of hell. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's and it's it's it really is poison. And left, it's 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 pulling you down. It's destroying your soul. Yeah. Um. In and it's it, you don't again. People don't wake up one day and say, "I know. Um. I'm an Olympic, you know, uh, gold medalist man. I I think I'm going to go for a woman of the year." Yeah. yeah. Um, you, know, you don't wake up. I've won all the medals, and now I'm going to go. For this I don't. One. You don't wake up one day and say, "I know I'm going to, um, you know, run out of my family, commit adultery, and ruin my life." Right. right. It, it, but that. But what you're doing in the small lies, and you say, "Well, um, I, you know, I can't help my my porn addiction. I can't right. help yeah. um, this little sin, and it's really hard. I lost my job. Um, my wife's kind of mean." Um, the kids were difficult, and you make excuses for your sins. What you're doing is you're coddling a little bit of hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and 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 you think I'm going to hold this, I'm going to be safe, and that's what's going to lead you to this kind of insanity. And there's no breaks on it anywhere, you, right? Well, I think it's the and this is primarily, I suppose, the message in you who about Christian identity is the the whole point is that we are when we are in total submission to God. That is the best version of us we can ever be. That is the most, uh, because it's what you were created to be. And you're becoming like the God that you were made in the image of. So the idea when the world thinks we're self-creating, we make up an idea, we cobble together the things that we want um, to be our identity, and then we kind of, you know, it's self-created. But for a Christian, it's just a completely different process. Mm. And the Christians who haven't thought through that, only know how to decide who you are by what the world tells you. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. 
we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company, or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. So how would you define identity for a Christian woman for me? When you talk about talk, what, how do they find the identity? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, it's a good contribution. She says self-care, time alone. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. um, I, okay, so I would say, obviously, if, if you were saved, your identity is in Christ, and it is in you are who he made you to be. So the, the thing that, I guess this might not be what you were looking for, but the thing that I want Christian women to understand is who you are and who you are becoming is in one way none of your business right? It's not your problem. It's not your responsibility. It is obey your God, love your God, pursue him. Mm. And, and obviously equipped by the Holy Spirit to do so, you will be transformed into what he wanted to make you mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. And at no time, Amen. at no time do you consult your little map of where I'm going and what I'm becoming. And this you wanted me to be controversial. Yeah. I'll do the controversial thing now. I'll tell you, this is, this is the biggest problem I have with the Enneagram, uh, which I see the Enneagram all over the place in Christian circles. Uh, and so much so that the woman on the plane was like, oh, you're a Christian, and because she heard us talking. And I was like, yes, are you a Christian? She said, yes. Have you heard of the Enneagram? Like, and and her, sermon, her pastor was uh, preaching a sermon series. And he had just preached on fours. Like, this is preaching through the Enneagram. I was like, you're, you're joking me. But anyways, Whoa. I'll bypass that. I didn't even comment on it. And I said, but have you heard of the Bible reading challenge? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we could talk. Um, anyways, the, but the point, why did I get off on that trail? It's the, the problem is that Christians are thinking of their identity as though they are some master and commander overlooking the map, yeah. you know, and that they're somehow the one who's going to accomplish their own sanctification Come on and glorification. Yeah. Like, yeah. here, let, yeah. me, let me look at this. I'm going to move the pieces there, and I'm going to act more like a four over here, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it all up because I have a great vision for who I'm going to be. Right. Mm. Almost idolatry in one sense, too. Totally, because who's the god of the system? It's you. It's you trying to become more like you instead of you submitting to Christ as he makes you more into what he wanted you to be. Identity is a huge issue for Christians right now. I was just at the Southern Baptist Convention, and they did a panel called God's Indispensable Plan, um, God's Indispensable Partners, uh, Women as God's Indispensable Partners in His Plan, something like that. Anyway, it was a huge panel. Did you know you were indispensable? Yeah. (laughs) But in the whole time that they were talking, they were talking about what can women do in the Southern Baptist Convention, what can women do in the church. And during that whole panel for about 45 minutes to an hour, not one person brought up the idea of God's indispensable plan for women as being mothers. Not God's indispensable. Yeah, and my right. wife was sitting there watching and says, these people don't speak for me. Yeah. She's like, I, I got glory on my jacket and my clothes from spit up. <laughs> right. And they just told me that I can't be a part of this indispensable plan. Right. I'm not trying to figure out how to preach. You know, and so when you think about something like that, if you were on that panel, you had a chance to speak. What would you? What, I would have loved to hear what you would have said. Yeah. On it, I, God's let me keep indispensable. My I, I guess I would just say that God created you for a purpose, and it, and He's the one who knows that. Yeah. Right. And so I'd. Um, are you just saying they wouldn't mention being a mother they as did, part they of that? They didn't mention as being a, a wife and a mother as being part of the plan, and. That seems to be getting left off where all the glory is, right? It seems like maybe part of the subtext. I wasn't there, so I, I, but we watched bits and pieces yeah, yeah, of it yeah. together. It seems like what I caught was there's sort of this subtext of if women don't have official roles that are where they're being seen in some, you know, they got a, a name right, tag yeah, 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 or, you know, where they, in the church. Or they're the head of a specific the, ministry yeah, or something. Then like. in some way the church is somehow dissing them. Or, right. or, or not recognizing how indispensable they are in so I, the church and God's plan. I guess it just makes me want to go back again to Scripture because the more that you read Scripture, you just know that that's not what 
it's all about calling the women to, right? There's yeah. obviously Titus 2, but another one is the whole qualifications for widows to go onto the church roles, like mm-hmm. when the church should provide for a widow, and what are her qualifications to essentially be someone who the church is on the church payroll, you know, like someone who the church is providing for. And it is that she has spent a long life practicing hospitality, raising children, and being a faithful wife. Oh, wow. Right. And, and the, the reality of the fact that that's how a woman proves her love and loyalty to Christ. You know that that's, that this is a that's, big yeah, part of that yeah. is important. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Why is it that that's getting overlooked? Why do you think Christians who about family, about moral values, why is it that that role, that spot is kind of getting overlooked when we're having these conversations? I don't know. I mean, they just don't want to talk about it because it's not it's not cool to the world to say. I mean, as a mother of seven children, I get to say really often, you know, people are like, so do you do anything or are you right? Do you, do you just stay <laughs> at home? Or, what are You're you doing? Mom? I usually say, I have seven kids. Somebody better be- stay at home. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what do you think is happening if nobody's at home? Uh, it, not good. No, it's funny. But I mean, it's just, it's not cool. Women are being lured into this. I'm a Christian, I w- but I want to build a career in I mean, and this is very common in Christian circles where, like, even during this conference, a lot of people have asked me, what is your ministry? And I don't have a ministry. I, like, my service to God is at home. I participate in a lot of other things. Like, Mm. I am, this is why it says, it's not, the Bible reading challenge is not my ministry. It's, I am heavily involved in that because I love it. But my primary ministry is to my husband, to my children, to the local church, and that's what I'm doing. I think it's just you people want to get their name on something and work their, I don't know, have a career path. <laughs> why, why is one of, it seems like one of Satan's plays is to do as much as he can to get women out of the house. Why is why is that one of why is that one of the central? It, it seems like I got the organ there's, ready. There's why does Satan do that? Well, this is the world. This is the, one yeah, of the yeah. world's constant um, barrages on women. Is and we know, don't that, see okay, it either. So the house is not. I have valuable. said this before: is that um, we do believe that there's a natural state in which men are just naturally leaders, right? So even when they're little, they in classrooms they either lead well or they lead by distracting everyone, being the goof and getting the attention and doing you know they lead by being woman of the year or they lead (laughs) they they're leading in some way but but the uh but it's not true that women don't lead in scripture they repeatedly lead men to hell and death it's i mean (laughs) (laughs) i'm saying Think of the woman in Proverbs, the bad woman in Proverbs. What is she doing? She's leading men astray. She is leading them. And and it's not like, oh, because she has no natural leadership abilities. She's leading people to hell. And, And I think that the reality is people who believe it's critically important that women submit to the word of God, that they submit to their own husbands and to their own church authorities, People who believe that don't believe it because they think women are not valuable. They believe it because they think that they could take the whole operation out here, right? Yeah. 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 Like Come this, if we, can, if we yeah. can target the women, if we can get the women to do, if we can get the women to be immoral, we can lead all the men to hell. Right. It'll be great, right? Because so, guys' temptations to be lazy, and so they'll just sit there and so watch it all burn down. If I, if you ask me, why would Satan do that? I would say, well, why would Satan push like the whole sexual liberation in the '60s? Right. Why would that be advantageous to the enemy? It's because then you can have the whole women's march lead the country to hell, right? You can have wow. everybody wow. licentious, yep. like not abiding by God's law, but they're not. They're it's not. Static. Yeah. They're going somewhere. Well, That's in, right. in Proverbs eight, you see that that wisdom builds houses, and foolishness tears down houses. Right. And that that women um, tear down houses. I think the yeah. law the law speaks to this too. And I think sometimes you know somebody's you said the word theonomy earlier, and I bet half the room cringed, yeah. or maybe most of you cringed. And, I, I didn't even know I said it. It just it, it just kind of comes out yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, now you said it. Yeah, we said. Yeah, we're sorry. He's from Texas. <laughs> Amen. Um, Amen. But. Um, but the thing is, is that, um, so you read it through, and, and you, you know, you say to somebody, no, I think we should apply all God's word to all of life, all of God's word. No, none, no part of God's word is God's word emeritus. No, no yeah, part of God's right. word is God's word retired. It's all God's word, all scriptures God breathed. It's all useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness, right? That's right. So, but that includes, and right away they come back and you say, so you think, right, uh, that a, a, 
men and women who are caught in adultery should be stoned. You think that a rebellious son should be put to death. Right. And, and first of all, we, we say, well, I'm not, a, yeah, it's in God's word. It's good. It's God's word. Now, we need to talk about how to apply it exactly, but yes, it's God's word. It's good. It expresses God's character, his justice, his goodness. But the thing that we don't get, the thing that offends us about that is we don't understand the power that is resident in the family. That's right. Okay, it's, it's a nuclear power plant going That's on right. there. Now, yep. I, how many of you guys are Second Amendment fans? <laughs> any, any, anybody here? Come on now. Who's so, packing? Who's packing? Anybody packing? Mark the ones that didn't raise their hand. I want to know the ones that didn't raise their hand. Now, you know, now you ask you know your most libertarian friend who thinks everybody you know like you, you got to be able to defend yourself against the, the 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 feds, right? So you should be able to have the weapons they have. You know, you can have AKs. You can have Tanks. AKs. Tanks. Okay. Yep. Should should anybody else get to have? Anybody can have a nuke, right? <laughs> I'm with him. The only Baptist guy in the room. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm with camouflage guy. Okay. I'm with camouflage I'm, guy. I'm just saying. You say anybody can have a nuke, and even the most diehard libertarians are like, well, what you mean by nuke? What do you, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you're good, you're good with China, you know, enriching the uranium. You're good with that. Um, how about your neighbor? And suddenly you realize, well, there might have be some massive fallout, quite literally, if your neighbor screws something up doing the uranium thing in his basement. <laughs> like fireworks. Right? It, it might have some serious impact on you. Right. And, and what you, we don't get is that marriage and the family is a nuclear reactor. That's right. It is full of the power of God. Um, this is how God has promised to bring the gospel to the nations, generation after generation. He'll be your God, the God after... I know I'm sounding Presbyterian, but you know. Um, this is how God works. He's promised to be our God, the God of our children after us, our grandchildren after us, to a thousand generations. Preach, preacher. Um, that's why marriage is so important. It's so powerful. And that's why did God put death penalties around messing with that? Absolutely he did. Yeah. yeah. I'm not ashamed of those death penalties at all. Right. Right? Turn it around. 60s gave us the sexual live. What, what happened? Now to the tune of over 60 million babies in our country dead. Yeah, you want a death penalty? We right. got one. We got a death penalty. Right? Yeah. right? Yeah. The babies have been right. dying for our sexual pleasure. Amen. Right? For 50 years, 60 years. Right? Now, you know, well, even, even I, in the, yeah. I'll take God's law every day of the week. Absolutely. Right. Even in the STDs and all that. Look at those. Yeah. You're going to get death or you're going to get life. Yeah. Right? You do, it doesn't matter. You're no, gonna no. Get some, someone's going to die. Is coming. There yeah. will be a death penalty. Yeah. There will be a death penalty. Right now, we are executing the death penalty on little babies in their mother's right. wombs. Mm. Right? 3,000 a day. Right. Right? That's what we're doing. There's death penalties. And, and to flip your um, metaphor around, yeah. the reason why the family is such under attack is because the world knows it's that powerful. Christian families are nuclear bombs. Yeah. The world knows. They don't want you messing with that in right. their basement. And so if we, can, if we can get people to think that, you know, yeah, that's true. I, I was flipping his metaphor around. I, <laughs> I, did think, it. I think this I has did. run away from us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got it. Okay. I, think, I think if you just... <laughs> Settle down, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> All the Texans are like, I know this song. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now you're, you're, you know, this is part of the but, responsibility too. I just want to. Fathers are so important. Yeah, go. Um, because this is the identity that is developed comes from the faithfulness of a godly father to impute that to his children. Okay, hey, you are You should be faithful to God. Yeah. Let me model that for you. Your identity as a as a man. Your identity as a woman. And when fathers don't build that in their children, they go searching for it. And it's called father hunger. They start trying to figure out how do I... It was Jeff Schaefer that said one of the things that um, the I'm world wants... to mention his name. I, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Jeff Schaefer, yeah, I won't say who and where he's from. Uh, but one of the things that the world wants to do is to separate fathers and families uh, from their children so that they don't have a connection to where they are in the story. Because if they can get them out of their covenant line, out of that story, then they can tell them, create a story for them and put them on the trajectory that they want them to be on. This is why education is essential. Right. Because it, the goal there is to detach your children from the covenant line that you're attached to as a Christian. Right. That's the goal of government education. And so what fathers and what parenting is supposed to do is to line them say, hey, here's your God. Here's who you're supposed to worship. This is what he says about who you are. This is how you worship this God. 
follow daddy doing this. This is who we are. This is who we are. This right. is who you are. Right. And this is where your identity lies. It's in Christ. And so when we, when we give, when fathers are not being faithful and they're not being faithful in what their eyes are watching, how they're living out in public, how they're doing their own business transactions, how they're praising their wife. And let yeah. them know that's a good woman. I'm married. You see that lady Amen. over there? You smell that aroma in here? Your allegiances are being tied to the Lord Jesus Christ by the meals that she cooks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. That's a, a man need to praise their wives. And let them know that's how you need to be, baby. Yeah. You see your mama? She's a good woman. That's what godliness looks like. And so we have to take the responsibility. And that's of what fathers. that's what Ephesians six says. So just yes. just to be clear, I mean it says fathers. Yeah. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. Those words don't just mean make sure they get to Sunday school occasionally, take them to church with you on Sundays. The, the nurture and admonition of the Lord is literally the counsel and the culture of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's what those, it's, it's Nutheo and Paideia. It, it means the counsel and the culture of the Lord Jesus. They need to be steeped in it, dripping right. in it. Right. And this goes back to Deuteronomy 6. How, how do you do this? Well, you've got to be talking about it when you get up out of bed. That's right. Right? Yeah. When you get in Amen. the car, mm-hmm. when you're driving down the road, when you're coming back home, when you're getting home for dinner, when you're, sta- you're sitting around getting ready to put them to bed. It's got to be all day long, everywhere. That's, that's how you, you, you teach your children who they are. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the job of fathers. Right. And making adjustments to your situations. I don't know everyone's situation here, but um, largely, um, principally, when you are sending your kids to public school, you're disobeying Ephesians 6.4. Um, when you are putting your kids in a culture that is opposed to God, in a culture that is opposed to uh, the biblical worldview, you're provoking your kids to wrath. Doesn't know what a man or a woman is. Right? Doesn't know what marriage is. You know, every high school nationwide has a transgender bathroom policy under the Obama administration. Um, every, we're seven miles from Washington State University. Um, we're on the border of Idaho and Washington. And all new building regulations are required to have transgender bathroom policies now. And yet, Christian parents have um, persisted. I, I, always, I, I ask Christian parents who send their kids to public school, you know, what is it going to take for you not to put your kids in public school? I remember when prayer, um, when See You at the Pole started in the early 80s, and Christians thought they were winning. It's like you're going to the edge of a public school property to hold hands to around pray a pool. so that you can see, be seen by men. What yes, I always that, loved. That, Let's right. make sure we do a public prayer meeting so everyone can film us see doing us. this because that's really right. applying we may scripture. See it in, <laughs> yeah. right? you know, we yes. had we had prayer in the '60s in the public school, mm-hmm. and then we lost that, and so we put a pole at the edge of the property, and we think we're winning. Uh, our executive, we were talking about this last night. Our executive pastor uh, um, a couple months ago ran the numbers for us and said, if if a if, uh, Christian family has four faithful children. And then those kids grow up faithfully in the Lord. And then those kids have four faithful children. And then those kids grow up to have four faithful children in the Lord and so forth. And just kind of exponentially look at that. Well, in 150 years, you would have 500,000 grandchildren in, in the state of Idaho. Well, uh, we just dominated Idaho. And we won the city council election, the uh, mayor election, the governor's election. Um, and, and it's all for Jesus. We aren't trying to do any sort of, sort of political our, our goals weren't necessarily political. Our goals were faithfulness. Yeah. And yet we... Did you just say we won it? Well, after 500,000 kids in the state of Idaho. Oh, I was like, we so didn't win it, Gabe. No, no. I said, I said, I said after, I said after 150 years, we would win the state election in Idaho. I, I believe in that. Right. And, but, that, but that's not all you're winning, yeah, yeah. though. You know, no, you're, you're, it takes, it takes 300,000 votes to get a governor elected. But We'd have 500,000. That's not oh, all you're winning. They'd be all but, wrenches. But other people surely will be having children also. So all of the numbers will be going yeah, yeah. up. Well, yes. all the, the Christians. Average, no, yes. all the Christians. Yeah. Right. Two but, point, the average family is two point whatever, 1.8 kids. We win. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, just, just, just mathematically. Um, <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. <laughs> just, just mathematically, you know, I'm running out the scenario. So, but, the, but the problem is, is we've um, actually repeating a little bit what we were talking about last night. We've looked at, like, church planning is the sexy thing to do. Or um, all these external ministries, missions and so forth, is the cool thing to do. And we don't have kids. Uh, I was reading a Table Talk article, oh man, this is 12 years ago, 13 years ago, where uh, the author said, um, no one wants to change the diapers, but everyone wants to go and, uh, you know, f- defeat the dragons. Totally paraphrased. Uh, and, 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 and especially dads, I remember when I first moved to Moscow in 2002, 
and I saw all these dads holding their kids in the worship service, and, and moms were, were able to be a little free for once throughout the week. Let's be real. The mm. moms are holding the toddlers in the row. Yeah, they, they were. They <laughs> they, were. Uh, but it's, they were. True, it's true that the dads, that's, not, a, that's a beautiful thing because yeah, I'm not the dads the moms, are all back I'm not back saying the moms the weren't doing anything. I mean, yeah. um, my, my wife. I just like to speak. Come on. Come on. The, all right. the wives all right. are so, also juggling the yeah, children. They are. <laughs> my wife would, would hold the kid until about six to eight months, and then, then I would take it from there. But. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local, like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical. Christian. Get connected. Get community. But I saw all these dads... Um, being involved in like uh, ha- handling their kids in the rows, I- I'd never seen that. And uh, and I've lived in six different states, been involved in all sorts of different churches, and I'd never seen the dads so much involved in handling the kids on the row. And, and don't get it wrong, we believe in church planting, we believe in missions, absolutely yeah. we believe in evangelism, all that stuff. Um, pure and undefiled religion is to care for the orphan and the widow, uh, but. It also says in 1 Timothy 5 that a man who does not provide for his own household is worse than an unbeliever. And so what happens is a lot of men, in the name of the sexiness of, of ministry, in the name of That's the right. sexiness of being seen at the poll, or what, you know, whatever the equivalent right. of that is, yeah. at the abortion clinic, doing door-to-door, open-air preaching, going on the mission field, there you are, doing ministry. And, I mean, why is it that I'm a preacher's kid, you know, I, you know, and you're like, PK. Oh, how'd that go? PK. Right? Yeah. Missionary kid, MK, PK, right? right. Why, is, why is our uh, Ears rep- rep- reputation <laughs> yeah. so terrible? Because men right. neglected their families. Why? Because for sexy ministry. Mm. Because mm-hmm. it, it's not sexy to say, sorry, I can't meet with you. I need to go home and take care of my family. Mm. Right? They say, but I'm a member of your church. Yes, but the members of my church that live in my home are more important than you. On that note. Oh, are we ready? <laughs> let's play 20 questions, All shall right. we? Yeah. Sweet George. George. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so Rachel, this is how it goes. So 20 questions is, uh, we're gonna, we, have sh- we have 20 short, either one word, two word, or sh- really short questions okay. that we're going to throw at you. And you give us just short answers. Okay. You know, uh, whatever comes to your mind. Okay. Don't let her see that. Don't see that. All right. No cheating. You can see it. All right. Ready to go? Okay. You can give her some intro music. Here we go. Just when the computer freezes. All right. Okay. Here's the first one. Give me a softball. Okay. Douglas Wilson. Love him. <laughs> is it frozen still? It's still frozen. It. Feminism. Stupid. <laughs> favorite favorite cookbook. Oh, I already said this last night. Tartine oh. bread. Although I like a lot of cookbooks. I have a lot of words on this one. Let, let me let me adjust that question a little bit. Okay. Um, favorite barbecue cookbook. Mm. I just got one that I'm going to try that mm. is, but it's not really just a barbecue cookbook, but there's barbecue sauce in it that right. is called Family Meals, and it's from the back, the restaurant meals for staff from the restaurant El Boli, which won Best Restaurant in the World five times. Wow. Well, so I know, what, I know what Christmas gift me and my wife are sending you. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going we're gonna to remedy that. Federal Vision. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded? Yeah. <laughs> or, or irrelevant? I'm not sure what. Yeah, irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah, seriously. Donald Trump. Ooh, orange man. Funny. <laughs> Are you voting for Donald Trump this next go round? Probably. I didn't the first time, but I think it's. I think you have to acknowledge that God has done something bizarre for us in letting an absurd man. <laughs> be a better president than we ever imagined was possible. (laughs) Favorite hobby? That's hard. (laughs) Um, Weaving. 
Weaving. Weeding? Weaving. Weaving. Oh, weaving. I have a whole big floor oh, loom in my right. house. I think we might have bought some of the. Okay, yeah. Um, if, <laughs> my timing's just so off. I don't you know. You guys have never <laughs> talked about weaving on this show before. No. Uh, you I'm see how awkward it got? We're like, whoa. What, is what do we do? What do we do? Quick. Panic. <laughs> Where are we? Okay, next question. Moving on. Okay, here we go. Um, if women shouldn't be teachers, why are you writing books? Oh. Uh, because I don't think, I think that there's an awful lot of human communication that is entirely biblically allowed to women, and that it's really dumb to say that, to flatten all of human communication about things that matter to preaching. Uh, and oftentimes I have people say, but you spoke strongly on Instagram. You preach. And I was like, that is not preaching. And, that, and I don't even think I preach to women. I speak to women about things that I care about. No, you and be preaching. <laughs> I'm, willing to, I'm willing to fight on that. <laughs> it is up in here. We had, uh, so before That's you my question. Here. No, it's my oh, question. Oh, no, that was okay. mine. Somebody right, stop right. it. You were just going slower. Um, no, 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 no. Music and your, everything. Your timing is really off. We got to pray for him. We had weaving we'll, we'll going on over here. In the back. I don't All know. Right. I don't know. Uh, would you vote for a woman president? Uh, maybe. Uh, you said short answers. Okay. But you'd have to know an awful lot more about the situation to know if that was legitimate or not. Okay. Okay. Woke. Boring. <laughs> uh, favorite barbecue food. Well, your time is really off. Yeah. And you should have. No, I like talking over okay. the music. Question. Uh, favorite barbecue food. That's not what it says. I know. I, but, um, I'm what does on. it say? Because this it is just, repetitive. It says favorite food. Yeah. Favorite food. So, but, Fruit. Fruit. That, that's not what I asked. It's my, it's my question. It's no my more question. questions for Gabe. No more questions for Gabe. <laughs> What's the best thing a mother can tell her son? Ooh. Hmm. One word. <laughs> I wanna. I wanna just say. Let's assume all of the. You've you've told them about God and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because I, I don't want to say anything else without Christian mothers who baptize their babies, what can they... Uh, uh, <laughs> I would say be a man. Ooh, yeah. okay, yeah. I like that. Hey! <laughs> got, got to pay back! So, uh, which Beth Moore book do you recommend? just a negative number it's just <laughs> there is nothing there um i actually have not read any of her really early stuff that i think was probably less offensive but i don't recommend any of them no mm-hmm. so uh two two-part question here what's your favorite book and then what would be like a good book you'd recommend um for your daughters to read daughters okay um my favorite probably one of my favorite books is peace like a river love that book and his writing is epic it's so good but his other books don't have nearly as compelling of uh storylines that but peace like a river is really lovely in all the ways love that book uh books i recommend for like what age are we talking young daughters teenage uh teenage daughters or i guess i would say i recommend Tons of books for them. I recommend you have good readers and you provide them lots and lots of reading. But my girls have recently really enjoyed um, The Sherwood Ring and The Perilous Guard, which are both by Elizabeth Marie Pope, and they're, those are fun, fun books. What's the best thing a mother can tell her daughter? Hmm. Um, I guess... I guess I get wordy on that one. Oh. Start thinking of lots of things okay. that you we'll, we'll want to tell your daughter. Um, I could give you a short thing that I have said on Instagram, not specifically for daughters, but be the kind of woman who can tell her emotions to shut up and salute Jesus. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Wow. 
how come I keep ending up with kind of the fiery ones? And you guys are... Uh, and well, oh, Gabe's oh, stuck on a barbecue. Yeah, okay. so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie that back in one more time. You know, okay. joke three times. You do it three times. <laughs> and you move on. What's your favorite Bible reading plan? Um, before we started the Bible reading challenge, my favorite Bible reading plan uh, was the Grant Horner, the 10 chapters a day on the, on the bookmarks. Love that. Yeah. Big fan back there, I see. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good one. And I was a little bit, we were doing the Bible reading challenge for other reasons. Uh, and I was excited about that, but I, there was some sorrow in saying goodbye. I thought I deluded myself. I'll do both, and then it was like that's it's not working anymore. But it was great. Um, last question here: How do women with weak husbands submit and encourage them to be strong? I would say women encourage themselves to be faithful women and stop being so absorbed with your husband's failings, but work harder on your on what you're doing. This is really serious music. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh. It's, it's offering time. I need yeah. like some bossa nova or something. Yeah. But uh, this is just, just, I don't like it whenever somebody is phrased like that. Like how, what can I do to strengthen him to do something else? But to try to remove the agenda, do what scripture says to win him without a word. Uh, and just honor your God first and let God handle your husband. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's just give Rachel a great hand for joining us today. Hasn't God been good to us in here? Haven't we had some church? We had some church. Glory. Well, I just want to remind everybody that today at 4 o'clock at our booth, we will have Pastor Doug Wilson. We'll be interviewing him on Worship as Warfare. So be sure to stop by there. And when you do, we got the Worldview Shotgun Series that you can check out that we've done. And uh, baptize your baby as well. I'll say that again. Just wanted to throw that in real quick. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until today at 4, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. At Logos Online School, we believe learning should be accessible. Homeschooling shouldn't stop you from staying connected. Enjoy classmates from across the United States and the whole world coming at you four days a week and 32 weeks a year. We believe learning should be engaging, a group of like-minded students who love God and their classmates. Learning should also be customized, with more than 50 different classes offered throughout the day. Take one class or join us full-time. We believe learning should be inspired. Our knowledgeable instructors enthusiastically engage the students. The goal? Hearts that love learning. Lastly, learning should be affordable committed to making Christian education reasonable for all families. From $620 per class for an entire year to $2,232 per year for full-time students. The best option on the market. Join us at Logos Online School.